Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Cows and Better Every Day podcast. And today, I'm delighted to have our guest join us all the way across the Atlantic. Uh, today, we have Ali Gilbert, soon to be Ali Weingroff, uh, <laughs> an absolutely incredible coach, speaker. Uh, for those of you who don't know Ali, I'll get her to introduce herself shortly and give us a little bit of a biopic. But Ali's been voted uh, into the Golf Digest Top 50 Fitness Professionals for uh, golfers in the last two, two years. Uh, you have a Bachelor's of Exercise Science. You have more initials after your name between NSCA, S&C Specialist, Strong First, FSC, all of the name accreditations that coaches need and want and everyone wants to chase them. Ollie basically has them. Uh, I have actually been to see two, I think two, potentially three, of uh, Ali's conferences uh, when she came over to visit uh, us guys at the IFBA in England and loved them. They were really, really engaging and she has a bit of a no bullshit, simple way to approach training and has some insights on training, on lifestyle and on growth in general that I thought the listeners would really, really enjoy and that's why uh, I have brought her on. So first of all, Ali, welcome on to the Case and Better Every Day podcast. Thank you. This is such an honor because I, I literally have seen you grow as a coach for, I, I don't know, I'll say like five years. I feel like I've known you five years, maybe I've been five years. But yeah, it's, that's fun. I'm old, so that's it's been it's been at least four years. I think uh, I remember going to uh, Farnborough for an IFBA talk, and you were the speaker. Uh, I'm not sure, not sure how many. It's at least at least three and a half, maybe four years ago. But yeah, I remember going there and this like little uh, like blonde girl stepped up in the stage and everyone was like, who the hell is this here with like arms that combated most of us and started talking about boners and testosterone and testosterone and how we should train and why we're stupid for training the way we do a lot of the time. Uh, and I found your, your, your talk engrossing. And then since, since then, we've kept in sort of reasonably frequent uh, in touch through Instagram, through social media, just keeping tabs on how uh, how we are progressing. And Ali has just moved to sunny Florida uh, and bought a lovely house there uh, with her uh, soon to her fiance and her soon to be soon to be wed. You, the COVID restrictions has has de- delayed that somewhat, Ali. God, four times we moved it, but we're gonna have it this August. Done. And- End of, no matter what, hurricane, hurricane or anything, you'd be standing yeah, out on it, ready. You know, because like the whole world's getting vaccinated. So now we can have a wedding without having to, like, they literally restricted people from dancing, which I'm like, okay, there's no point in having a wedding if you're not going to be able to dance. Yeah, the night, there was, like last year, uh, two of my friends got married in a bit of a lull of the lockdowns. One of them was allowed probably about 100 people. Uh, and then like literally the next week, he was only, the next person was only allowed 50 and there was to be no dancing and all, all of this stuff so yeah like i think people like it's getting to that stage well, well not i'll re- revert away from any covid talk but yeah people need to enjoy themselves you need to go and have a have a great day uh, but i suppose i want to give you a bit of a an open platform to like i want to listen to you, for you to give the listeners a bit of an insight to your journey because this is actually something i haven't heard you speak about i've heard you talk about many topics but i rarely hear you talk about yourself uh, and that's probably one of the things that separates you from most other coaches that, that I see and that I listen to. 
Uh, and I actually genuinely was really curious to like, get, like, can you give the listener a bit of an insight into your journey and uh, maybe from what drove you into coaching in general uh, and your journey to date? Uh, so just do you want to, do you want to take that on? Yeah, I won't make it boring for people because like, <laughs> you know, I could talk about how nursery school was an impressionable young child, <laughs> but we won't go that far back. Um, so I, I basically knew I wanted to major in some sort of exercise science. So I applied to one school early that had exercise science as a major and went to school there. And I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do, but like I competed as a junior Olympic cyclist and played soccer or football, as you guys call it, in um, high school. And I went on to play soccer in college. And I was like, you know, this is really cool learning the physiology and all that. I want to work with like Olympic cyclists or professional athletes on some sort of clinical level. If you've ever taken a clinical exercise physiology class, it is boring as fuck. And I swear, I just swear. Yeah, you can swear, you can swear. It's so boring. And I had as a, a, I had to take a class called strength and conditioning lab. And I'm like, we're learning how to bench press. Like this is class. Like this is really cool. So I was like, I want to work with athletes, just like every coach on the planet, right? We all want to work with athletes. And then we quickly learned that there's a very little money until, unless you wait a very long time and make it to a certain level. I didn't want to wait that long. And you also learn that the market is very saturated. So I was like, okay, I'm still going to major in strength and conditioning because I love it and just see where it takes me. And I started, you know, as a personal trainer out of college in my hometown of Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a very wealthy community. So it happened to have a lot of golfers. I did not play golf. I didn't really know much about golf, but I was like, hmm, this seems like a good niche to have. So I went to the Titleist Performance Institute, learned everything I could about golf fitness. And golf fitness brought me primarily men as a clientele because women don't care about golf fitness the way that the guys do. Like literally we had nine country clubs in our town, like a lot of golf. So I was like, this is cool. It's cool to have a niche. They don't know anything about nutrition. They know nothing about hormones. There was really no advocate for men's health. Like everyone talks about menopause and women's health. No one's talking about andropause, which is the male menopause. And the guys having erectile issues and testosterone optimization and all that stuff. I was like, okay, well, um, all my mentors told me learn more about one thing than anybody else and specialize in it. So that's what I did. So in a long story made short, I found the men's health niche through golf fitness and had worked at various gyms and everything. And then got into the nutrition aspect of it to where you know, pre-COVID, I had an online consulting business, if you will, and in-person clientele. And then after COVID, I have a few one-on-one clients. And now I just do primarily online. And I do nutrition and hormone optimization. I have a doctor on my team, Dr. Eric Fett. So if we have guys who need to go on testosterone, I can't write the prescription. So I thought about going to medical school, but I'm like, hmm. Do I know somebody that can just write it on the script pad and save me a shit ton of money? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And so then that became, let's make talking about boners normal. Like women talk about their periods and getting male coaches to talk to females about their periods. We can still normalize talking about morning wood and lack of erectile strength with men in a way that is very professional. So everyone's like, 
oh, you must get all these weird DMs and dick pics and stuff. And I'm like, no, I actually don't. Like I have, I've gotten one dick pic, somebody, some random country. And I was like, okay, I cannot tell your erection health by just looking at it. I'm sorry, but that's not what I do. So I will talk about it openly with these guys, but I don't look at photos. That's maybe consult your doctor if you've got something growing there or whatever. You don't do before and afters then, no? Not. (laughs) (laughs) But they'll they'll happily talk about it. And like, I mean, I do get a lot of DMs because nobody openly is going to be like, so I can't ejaculate like I used to. What do I do on Instagram? So like they'll message me privately and stuff. And some of the things that, you know, are nutritional and lifestyle and stress related and some of the stuff needs medical attention. But, you know, with with the COVID pandemic, there was so much stress on especially the men who were the sole provider for the family and all of a sudden had lost their job that the erectile issues in America at least was huge and they didn't realize what was going on and and guys who were on testosterone thought they needed to take more testosterone because they're like I'm feeling horrible you know I have no erection and it was really all stress related so learning the tie-in with that is huge not just for coaches but for you know men and women of all ages that a man might have issues with his erection because he is so stressed out and we can go into the science of how that happens and everything but it's not only a hormone issue it can be so many other things yeah that's that's like absolutely a, a fantastic summary uh, of your journey to date i know we've had a few we've had a few few laughs and i think you, you hit on a point there that is something i hadn't really thought about even in your initial talk that i went to see maybe three and a half four years ago as we were saying like you just you you divulged into these topics and you could see when you started talking about boners in a room filled 90% with male coaches, young gays who are like, like seemed and at least had the persona of sort of being the gym owner, the coach, the confident type. Everyone was suddenly a little bit on edge, like what's this girl talking about erectile dysfunction and about boners were as there, there has definitely been a maturity developed when coaches talking uh, about menstrual cycles and talking about that. It's almost nearly an in thing at the moment for coaches to be in on social media demonstrating the fact that, listen, I'm a coach and I can work with a female because I have the understanding of how the menstrual cycle affects everything to do with, with my client and their stress levels and, and how, how they have to organize their eating around it if they want to control their hormone levels and where they want to put them. But there really isn't that level of comfort with males uh, or with coaches in general, uh, as it were, talking about that yet do you, like do you feel like that's going to change is that something that you're like passionate about in terms of trying to normalize this or i i hope so it, it, it's funny because like the response from from the guys at the ifba is super special because in the uk as you guys know the level of humor that you have is very dry and you all all don't really laugh that easily. So if I was able to get you guys to laugh just a little bit, I was like, all right, like I did something right. But but to break through that wall of like, oh, this is something normal to talk about, I think is getting better. It but it's not something guys just generally talk about with their friends or, you know, sometimes their wives, but I think, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, how, how is it being a female talking about this with guys? And I said, actually, it comes very easy because number one, I am a woman who is 
acknowledging the fact that this is normal, especially in guys who are maybe 30 plus years old. It's not a 70 year old type of issue anymore. And number two, I kind of diffuse it by talking about it openly and adding a little bit of humor. At, at least I like to think that I'm kind of funny sometimes and adding a humorous aspect to it so that it doesn't seem so awkward because a lot of the feedback I've gotten from guys is that that makes it easy for them to talk about it and they had no idea others suffer, which I try to get guys to understand very much that men in their 30s, even in their 20s, it's like a worldwide rampant thing. So it, it's, it's common and there are others like you guys not saying you specifically, but you know, you're just told everyone my secret. Yes. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I don't have HIPAA laws, so, you know, I could talk about whatever. Just kidding. (laughs) But um, That's where, you know, I hope that the guys get a little bit more comfortable and the way that you would go about doing that is by talking about their stress management, talking about um, their mental health, which I don't think gets discussed enough when it comes to guys and how that relates to their physical fitness and their, you know, their home health and the connections they have with others and their relationships and stuff like that, because all of that feeds into your total wellness as a human. So hopefully we're getting there. Yeah. You've said some real like stuff that has taken me a long time as a coach to, to come to, the grips with, I think very early in my career, it was very calories in, calories out, uh, manipulate their steps, manipulate their training. And that is really all that it, it, it has to do with. When that, like, well, that's all that the role of a coach uh, is, is encompassing. But as time went on, the more you talk to people, the more you realize that coaching people is not just talking about those sort of three variables in isolation. Most of the time, it, it, it revolves quite a lot of quite a lot around their stressors like where they're at in their life where they're at at that particular moment uh, with different things going on in their life what their sleep schedule is like like it just goes far beyond just what they're eating and how they're, how they're training and I myself as a coach like with, with our members uh, at K's and personal training gym and my own uh, online clients during the COVID pandemic most of our conversations tended towards not as much food and training but all of the other lifestyle factors and i don't know if you've seen that yourself dealing with clients but during the pandemic just seemed to almost accentuate or blow up those issues that were kind of bubbling and were always common but it has just brought it to the forefront that how you manage like how you manage your stress has such a big impact on where you want to be physically people yes you want to have a six-pack and you want to be in better shape but like letting your letting you letting your life open up to see well what parts are actually important and what in the big picture I might want a six pack but getting that at the complete uh, at the complete derailing of my hormones is not an ideal thing and I suppose I just want like you're you're the expert as far as hormone health and hormone optimization for for helping males get to where they want to get be physically. How have you found, like, how do you actually approach this when males come to you and say, I want to get in better shape, I want to lose a few pounds, I want to add 30 yards to my drive, whatever it is, how do you then navigate that conversation with a, okay, we can do that, but we need to look at your stress when that's, essentially, that's not really the issue that they came with, but you might, most of the time, somebody's coming and they want a six pack or 20 yards on their drive, and you're like, okay, but how's your penis? 
<laughs> how, how, how do we how do we navigate that conversation on your side so it, it starts with like you have to find out what what does that mean to them and you've seen the slide that i've put up where i i asked on my initial intake form is there a photo of a past you or celebrity or somebody who who has the body that you want to have not because I think that can be a reality so much as to understand what that means to them. Because when I say I want to be shredded, I call it dick skin lean. Like I want veins on my abs. Most of the world doesn't care about that. So when guys say I want to get shredded or, you know, I want to be ripped, I'm like, okay, send me a photo of what that looks like. Because most of the time it's like a four pack and they just want some abs to show, which is a lot easier, right? Or doable than what you and I would love to look like to be on the cover yeah. of Muscle Fitness. So then it's, okay, great. Now I have them fill out a food log so I understand what they're eating. 99% of the time, they're not eating enough. Even guys, women get pegged all the time with under eating. And all the time, all my guys are under eating, especially protein. Because the media is like, eat less, eat less, you can train a lot, especially this whole like beast mode, CrossFit movement where the more intense, the better, the longer, the better, more exercise. People did not need more exercise when they're already stressed. Exercise is a form of stress. When you add that on top of stress, it doesn't make everything else work as well. So we have to discuss that. Great. How are you sleeping? I sleep like shit. Okay. So we're not really going to train four plus days a week until we can remedy that. In my younger days, you'd get pushback from people like, you know, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I would be amenable to that and do what they want. Now I'm like, you hired me for a reason. You have no choice. And I get a lot of pushback, especially my military guys who are used to working out like twice a day. When I have to pull back the reins and tell them I need you to train less and eat more for a little bit, it, they're like so confused. They think they're going to gain 10 pounds of fat in a week, but usually they either drop weight, they stay the same or they feel better. Like imagine that, like feeling better, you know? So getting them to understand where they are in, in a stress management perspective greatly helps pave the path and the approach that I'll take with them. And then I say, you know, this will impede your ability to wake up with a morning erection, to have a high sex drive. So I kind of go about it like that. Sometimes guys are super open and then they go right into it and they talk about that. Other times they kind of like acknowledge what I say and then don't talk about it, which is fine. Um, some guys, you know, are open to understanding more about testosterone replacement. Some guys, they don't want to talk about it again. Totally fine. My job is to get them to understand, excuse me, their potential and what their drawbacks are. Because most people are coming to me, not eating enough, training too often and training in a way that we don't want them. So I don't know about you, but a lot of people in the last, I think two years really are doing like all the circuit stuff where it's like, Exercise after exercise after exercise after exercise, very minimal rest, which makes the weight really light, which is great for fat loss. Yes. However, nobody starts with a strength training platform, get a base of actual strength, lift things heavy and take a rest period, a 
rest period is like this foreign concept to people. Like what? Rest? Like a minute? Like what? Three minutes? Oh my God. What do I do? Play on your phone? Like, anyway, I know that's like a long tangent to the answer to the question, but literally that's pretty much how I approach things. No, that's, that's fantastic. And uh, as a coach, sitting uh, probably in like relatively like six six seven years uh, as a coach uh, it was nice to hear you going through your process and going yeah okay i do that i do that i do <laughs> i do that the no knowing that uh, that the, the philosophies uh, align and the process somewhat aligns one thing you you kind of elaborated on there and it's something that that i would do as well is trying to help people clarify their way on their direction of where they're looking to go and i think sometimes people come and they're not really sure where like i I'm coming because I'm in pain and that I'm not happy with where my body is at the moment, but they haven't clearly defined exactly where they want to go. Uh, and just something as simple as, okay, well show me a picture of maybe it was you in like the best shape you've ever been. Or maybe it's like, like, and I think you, you touched on something. It's like, what does that like shredded? What does shredded mean to you? Because every, as coaches, like we probably hold ourselves in good shape all of the time. So shredded is, as you said, dick skin shredded. That's what my coach says as well. We're going to get you dick skin shredded. But if someone's coming to me saying like, I just want to be in the same shape. It's like I've seen a photo of you. I want to be in sort of the shape you're in now. And I'm going, oh, right. Okay. That's like completely fine. I'm like finishing a lean ball. So uh, this is actually very manageable for you, like sitting where you're at. And just getting them to sit down and compel. I actually listened to Jordan Peterson's new book, Beyond Order, uh, today on a drive home from we went for like a cold water dip just in the mountains, uh, just on the coast of Ireland. Uh, and coming home, listened to it. And one of the things that he said about it is create a compelling version of your future. Sit down, like clarify what that will be like. And it'll be initially intimidating because once you clarify what it is, that means you can feel. If you can if you can create that goal as soon as you've clarified where you want to be, that puts up the risk of, okay, now I've said where I would like to be and I've actually admitted that that's where I want to be. Now, now failure is a, as a, as a possibility. And I think you'll probably have seen that quite a lot with people that sometimes there's a resistance to when you probe deeper. It's like, oh, well, I'm just, I just want to be in better shape. I just want to be in better shape. And those clients, the longer you coach them, they never actually get to that point of like satisfaction of, Oh, I'm here because they've never clarified where here is. Yeah. And you'll find too, like, I think I've, it's resonated with me when other coaches have said this, but you'll find that a lot of people don't actually get the results that they really want for reasons that you just said, but also they don't understand the process that it takes. And my clients who have the greatest success are the ones that allow me to control both their training and nutrition and really drive home that this is a longer process than we're all used to where it's like three week transformations, like drop 10 pounds all of a sudden. If you do that and you do multiple times of that, it takes a long time to recover from that, to gain your health back from that. The slower that you lose the weight, the much better off you're going to be. And, and I've used myself as an example. Now I've prepped for four weddings right now. So now I'm entering my fourth, right? You would think that granted I treat my wedding prep, like a show prep, like my coach makes fun of me because I'm like, I want to be dick skin in a dress. He's like, no, you don't because you're going to fall over and feel like shit. I'm like, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> so being able to, enter a calorie deficit for a period of time. And then it's like, oh, hold on. We have to push the wedding out. 
pull me out of that, but not blow up like a lot of people do is because I spent two years eating enough to where my body's like, okay, cool. You're giving me enough energy. I can now operate at a level that makes sense. And I think people are so impatient, myself included. I'd love to be shredded tomorrow. We all would, but it doesn't work that way. And once you lose the weight the right way, then you're just maintaining it for the rest of your life. Maybe, you know, five-ish pounds up or down or whatever, but it's not these big fluctuations that wreak havoc on your hormones and your mental health and all that stuff. It makes it a lot harder as you get older to drop weight if you keep fluctuating wildly. So it, it's almost like you're, you're changing somebody's perception of what health is. So like when we go out to dinner, please oil on the side or this on the side. Can I get this without this? That's normal to you and I, but to other people, they have to be trained how to go out to eat. You can be a pain in the ass and ask for double vegetables. Like you're allowed, you know, you can ask for stuff on the side. So all those little habits of becoming who they want to be drive those behaviors. So if you want to be somebody who looks a certain way year round, you've got to start acting like them. So when you go out to dinner, order a protein and vegetable meal. It's not that hard. You just have to ask for it. Those are what your friends are doing. So then they can start to become that person. And then it you know, drives those habits over time. And it's a lot easier for them to maintain that weight. I forgot the original question, so I'm going. On no, that's a, that's that, that's uh, that, that's directly in line with it. Uh, you, you you've you've touched on something. You sort of said when people pick a goal, sometimes they don't know what that entails. What what actually does day to day involve? And something that I found useful, I'm stolen from another coach, and I can't even credit them because I can't remember that long ago. But is it saying like you want that part? Like your body's going to be a product of your lifestyle. So when you decide a body that you want you need to look at the lifestyle that is going to be required to sustain that and then ask yourself, do you actually want that lifestyle? Like if you want to be thick skin shredded, that means asking for the oil on the side. That means when you go out for meals, you're going to be the slightly annoying person to the rest of the group who don't really comprehend what you're doing, that you're ordering protein, you're ordering vegetables, small bit of carbs, and then you're asking for some dressings on the side. You're asking for a light dressing or whatever it is. Those are the habits of someone who wants to get to that point and it's about, okay, well, if you want to be here, that's fine, but this is what it looks like. And this just know that this is the direction we're getting in because quite often when you don't, and then we, we've both probably had mistakes with, with clients where they've said, I want to get to here. And you're like, yes, great. I'm the perfect person to do that. Like, let's get you there. And you start asking to include these changes. Okay, when you go out for dinner tonight, like just get protein and vegetables. And they're like, I, I want a pizza. It's like, well, yeah, right, right. Okay, well, like a pizza is probably not going to hold you to where you want to get to and I'm like okay well and then they're like so i just said well it's very simple like do you want to consistently involve like a, quite a lot of pizza maybe two takeaways a week and a few beers in your dad because we can do that but we need to hold somewhere between 14 and 18 percent body fat we can't really get below 10 uh, if we're going to include them every week and that's like i would just say listen you're the you're the person, uh, I use a, like a labored analogy, I'm Google Maps, you tell me where you want to go and I'll tell you the directions as and when, but don't get mad at me if I tell you to turn right and you're like, I want to turn left. It's like, you, that's not left isn't where your goal is, it's right. So like we can change the destination or you can go right, but it's physically impossible to do both. 
Yeah, and and it's like then you're dealing with two where you know you don't want them to get in their head that pizza is bad because then it's the relationship with food. So it, it's like okay, so can we compromise and instead of pizza and wine, we're ordering something with protein beforehand, and then yeah, you can have a slice of pizza, but not all the pizza, you know, because you still have to live. But that's where it comes around to all right, how lean do you want to get? And what are you willing to sacrifice? Because if somebody just wants to be kind of lean, you could afford to have pizza more often than not. But if you want to get leaner or you have a certain timeline, or if you're stepping on stage, obviously, you know, there's different routes to take. And, you know, with the pandemic, I had a lot of people who like their husbands were home working. They, they realized how much alcohol played a part in their lives. And like, I, I had people that are like, oh my God, he wants to drink every night. And he's like, why don't you drink with me? And I'm like, okay, so this is a great obstacle for us to overcome because now you got to replace that habit with something else. And they realized how different they were in their ways of handling stress. And so it makes you realize priorities too. Like even myself, like, you know, people think we're as coaches, like we, we're so perfect all the time. I hate continuing education online, not because like, I don't like the content, but I suck at finishing things. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to have so much time to finish all these courses. No, like I never made the time for that. And we make the time for things that are the most important to us. And I think a lot of people got a wake up call where they had a lot more time than they were used to. And they still did not make certain health aspects a priority. And that's okay as long as you own it and say, you know what, I'm willing to give up X, Y, Z. I'm willing to do this, but not this. Totally fine. Great. It'll take you this long. Can we handle that? Good. All right. Good to go. Perfect. Yeah. I think that that simple clarification of, okay, what are you willing to give up? What are you not willing to give up? Like, let's set those markers out and then that makes our job so much easier and that makes your life so much easier. Uh, I think, yeah, like what I, one of the things I wanted to do because we're, we're, we're hitting some really good stuff here and there's so many different rabbit holes that I would like to go down. But the particular one that I want is the one, the hormone optimization is something that even as I say it, uh, there's that little part of my brain going, are you sure you know what you're talking about? Like, are you, like, are you sure you can use those words into the, so, and this is one of the concepts. And when we were talking before, I had said that like the first time uh, that I had started listening and talking about like the role that hormones played and when getting in shape, it was almost like a little bit of white noise to me and it felt a little bit intimidating. Okay, how am I going to understand how all of these hormones play a role in me just wanting to be in slightly better shape, want to look better, feel better, all of those things. And I think that's something that a lot of people feel people that aren't necessarily coaches and people that are listening that are just sort of, yeah, I want to look better. I want to feel better. And like, what's, what's the meat about what we're, what we're talking about here. And I, I posed a question to you about, right. Testosterone or, or even to, to bring it back a step, how to, what is your simple things for optimizing the hormones of your client? Now that's a, that's a big topic and I'm, I'm sorry for cornering you into this question uh, but explain and I always use the phrase like explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old uh, because that's probably my attention span uh, but f- for you when you talk about hormone optimization like how do you explain that to like a golfer at like 50 who wants the 20 yards in their drive wants to feel better but doesn't really particularly care about the nuts and bolts 
how do you explain the role that testosterone plays? How do you explain the importance of hormone optimization? So um, I'm going to summarize like a two hour talk in, in yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically the, the level of testosterone in men has declined very, very quickly. And, and a lot of this has to do with number one lifestyle, you know, um, UK is like right behind the U S and obesity and all that. But the introduction of, pesticides and herbicides, most of which are illegal in your country, but not ours. Um, and the more, more body fat people have, the more, uh, the lower their testosterone is going to be. So there's this enzyme that lives in body fat that takes testosterone and converts it to estrogen. Men have estrogen and testosterone. Women have estrogen and testosterone. Testosterone is the main hormone for guys. And that's what gives you the, the characteristics of a beard, the V taper, the voice, all that stuff. It helps you win and drive and gives you that vitality and focus. Like when women talk, focusing on us. So um, for women, like we need testosterone for sex drive too. And we also need estrogen and men need estrogen too. But when your body fat goes up and the estrogen goes up, testosterone comes down. It's good to have a good, good amount of estrogen when a man is on testosterone replacement. And testosterone replacement therapy gets a bad rap or is demonized because it's thought of as steroids or cheating. And so then men kind of, well, I want to, I want to do everything naturally before I look at that, which is fine. I have a lot of guys who want to do that. I tell them the truth where doing things naturally is not going to get you that much of a jump. I've had one client jump maybe 300 points in his testosterone, but it didn't stay there. And wherever you're starting from, that jump may or may not really make you feel all that much different. Granted, if, if a man is not sleeping well, is under a lot of stress, not eating enough, that's not going to give him optimal hormone levels. And optimal hormone levels are different than what people get tested for. So even over there, you get tested for testosterone. The number is very, very wide. The range is huge. Usually doctors will say, well, you're in range. They have to say that to cover their ass because in, if you're out of range, they have to prescribe it. And all these questions come along, especially from insurance. Over here, we measure in nanograms per deciliter. The range is around 220 to like 900. It used to be 350 to like 1100. They've lowered it two to three times over the course of the last 30 years. It's crazy. Um, so now guys who are 32 years old can say, you know, my testosterone was 250 and I'm in range. That is really low for a guy that age or any really guy in general. 500 and above is really what would be considered optimal. So, you know, the ranges are also calculated on averages of sick people, fat people, like everybody around you. So we don't want you to be normal. We want you to be optimal. And the reason this is important is because the lower your testosterone, the more risk you have of a cardiac event, like a heart attack or a stroke, the more risk you have of diabetes, the more risk you have of depression. So many men who have low testosterone 
feel depressed and when they go to the doctor they get prescribed an antidepressant which actually makes things worse it does not solve the problem excuse me they um they have more of a risk of just overall like non-well-being i can't think of the word for that whatever that means but they, they can't put on muscle mass they don't feel as good they're very lethargic so all of those things are like oh yeah, that could be my hormones. And that mostly with our clientele is caused through lifestyle, not enough exercise, not enough sleep. For people who are on the other side of the spectrum, coaches who train a lot and all that stuff, a lot of that is because we don't sleep enough, we don't eat enough, and we train too much. And you know, either one can be pretty dangerous. But the reason why I'm very much a fan of going on hormone replacement when necessary is because it's pretty much inevitable that guys will end up on it at some point in their lives. Granted, there's a lot of different caveats here. So, you know, somebody your age who's like, all right, I might want to have kids. There's ways to go about that. So it preserves your sperm production because if you have low testosterone and you get it exogenously, the body says, Oh, I'm getting it from the outside. I don't need to produce any more on my own. So in the testicles where it produces testosterone and also makes sperm, that factory kind of shuts down because it's getting it from the outside, but the body doesn't know the difference between it producing itself and then from the outside. So it has no need to be making sperm. Now it doesn't make men sterile, but it's pretty much like a form of birth control. Don't go trying this guys at home and be like, oh my God, Ali said I can go on TRT and my <laughs> girlfriend's pregnant, whatever, you know, listen, there's bodybuilders that are on super physiological doses and all sorts of different drugs and they still have gotten their girlfriends or wives pregnant. So it's not a guarantee, but it does suppress the production. And so when guys are done having kids, and they've tried everything where they're sleeping like a champ. You know, they, they're eating the right things. They're, they're coaching with con, like they're doing everything right. And they still can't get their testosterone levels to increase. It's not their fault. It literally is the environment. Like you were not going to win the war against the chemicals that we're up against. All these things that we used to think were like super tree huggy, they're reality, you know? So like drinking out of glass is one thing that I used to be like, okay, losers, like drinking out of glass bottles. And no, now it's reality. Like plastics are things we want to avoid, you know, cause the fake estrogens that are in plastics bind to your hormone receptors in your body thinking that like, oh, I'm pregnant, even though I'm a man, like it makes no sense. So it can really mess with our hormone levels. It, it's very scary. So the, the literature that shows the benefits of testosterone are very important because all the bad things where people used to think it caused cancer and heart attacks has all been upended and refuted. It is not a risk. And there are a lot of doctors who are really good at what they do, but if they don't specialize in hormone optimization, I would not go to them for hormone optimization for fear that they will say, well, don't worry, it's going to cause cancer. We don't need to go there. It's a big, yeah. it's a big world with that. It is. It's something, and then that's just just to probably rob an analogy. It's it's a little bit like when you when people go for it's just a bit of a checkup with the with a doctor, and they're probably on the high end, and uh, maybe using an old scale like BMI. They're using like an, an older scale for something to to judge, 
uh, and they might be within normal range, but the person doesn't feel healthy. And it's like, well, you're within normal range for weight. Now, normal range, as you say, does not mean optimal. That you can still feel better, you can still look better, you can still have all of those things that you want to. And so, probably just to, to, to get my own understanding and then a bit of a to summarize for, for the listener that testosterone. Uh, testosterone exogenously or again taken a supplemental a testosterone that's prescribed by someone legally allowed to prescribe it is is not what people make it out to be and it's also but but it is almost a little bit of a okay once you're done having kids this is kind of a once you've taken care of the sleep once you've taken care of the lifestyle and if it, all of those things are not actually making a dent then this is something that is quite safe to use like provided you, you you tick those boxes and it's going to make you feel better. It's going to make you retain or even build uh, muscle mass as time goes on. Uh, but it's like how do you how do you juggle? Do you ever get people coming and immediately leave in like you're the you're the testosterone girl? Like I want to go on testosterone. Like do you get people jumping the gun a little bit and being like yeah like let's get it? I I had a guy email the email me uh, yesterday saying he wanted to go on Deca testosterone Anavar and growth hormone. And I'm like, you're aware I'm not a doctor. Like I get that a lot where, you know, people are like, um, can you prescribe me testosterone? Okay. Number one, even if I was a doctor, I, I wouldn't prescribe off of an Instagram DM. Like, come on. Um, I work with somebody for that. So yes, I get guys who are like that. And I, and I'm like, why do you think you need that? And they go through this laundry list of symptoms and stuff like this. And you know, it's cleaning up the lifestyle. Okay. What are you eating? Oh, I eat really well. Okay, biggest lie I've ever heard. My labs are great. You know, it says my doctor. Sure, I look at it. Like, you know, so all that stuff. Obviously, clean that up. Then we can explore it. Because granted, are they going to probably end it up on testosterone? Yes. But if you don't handle any of the lifestyle stuff, it does not mean testosterone is this magic pill or magic injection that's going to work and, and create bliss for you. It'll make it a hell of a lot easier to be motivated to go to the gym and get your life in order. But it's like you almost want to earn that right and handle yourself from a lifestyle and nutritional perspective because otherwise it's not going to work as well. There's a lot of guys that think it's like the magic pill and they don't lose weight. And they still remain, you know, unhealthy. You still got to take care of all that stuff. And now, like, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm well aware in other countries, it's exceptionally harder to obtain a prescription. So I have clients who, who obtain it other ways in other countries. There are risks to that if they make it in someone's basement and all that stuff. But if they're, they're making testosterone and, and, you know, I need a disclaimer, like this is for my opinion, this is not like <laughs> whatever, you know, if you want to put some sort of waiver on here, but, um, it, you know, usually those are synthetic derivatives of testosterone. Just get some blood work done. I know that's a lot easier to do now over there than it used to be because people can do it online. But if you're going to be doing black market testosterone, start low and go slow because you don't know what it's paired with. It could be testosterone with something else. Start at a lower dose because it really is the minimal effective dose. And they've even found with bodybuilders too, they don't need that much, especially if they're taking other androgenic or anabolic substances with, with a lot, which a lot of people are, and that's fine. And if anyone listening to this, 
has taken steroids or is thinking of taking steroids, again, start with one or two things and then go from there. Because if you're really looking just to feel better and perform better and all these things, you really don't need a lot, especially if you've never done that. So start low and go slow and then learn everything you can about testosterone replacement and stuff like that. So hopefully the doctors over there will come around sooner than later, but it's going to be a long climb because even in the US, there's still, you know, a lot of barriers and everything, but they're getting there. Yeah. And I know even listening to your talk, uh, I, I came away from uh, your talk at the AFBA Life. Uh, we we revitalized, thinking, yeah, let's, do you know what? I'm going to go get my loads done. Uh, and I ran into a few brick walls at home getting it done. That's through the sort of NHS. That it's kind of it's not you don't have an ailment, so it's sort of it's very uh, what would you say like reactive reactive healthcare. Like we're blessed with a, with a very good healthcare system, but it is reactive. It is for treating illness. It's not for being proactive about your health. And I think that's the thing that I would say to, to anyone that if you are maybe considering, and it's something that I have actually been toying around with building into my online uh, coaching to try, and, to try and all encapsulate because all of the stuff we're talking about is how we're trying to improve all of these facets of your overall lifestyle, that being able to take a blood test at the start and say at the end that like, listen, these markers are moving in the right direction and these things are going well. Uh, now there are I know that I've heard of is it fourth fourth uh, I can't remember fourth is a company in the UK F O R T H uh, that does sort of online where they send online uh, blood tests where they send you to pack you get someone who's able to uh, not just like your mate to <laughs> to draw like a medical practitioner to draw blood uh, and then you send the pack away to test for whatever profile, whatever test that you that you want to particularly get and that's actually not a complicated procedure uh, to go through. In that, so I, I want to get into a few things. Like I'm, I'm very worried of your time, so I want to get into a few things in terms of what we can tangibly do to change. But first of all, if someone is going and looking to get a blood test, what do you generally recommend that you get your clients to check for? Uh, uh, that, that the first thing. Um, definitely total testosterone, free testosterone, DHEA, um, PSA which is the prostate is usually good to monitor. Um, I'm drawing a blank. So like DHEA, I think it's illegal for you guys to take as a supplement, but it's also important to know the number because it's a precursor to testosterone. Um, obviously a cholesterol panel and like, you know, the CBC, which is the uh, white blood cells, red blood cells, like um, and you can see like dehydration or hydration levels, stuff like that. Um, but there, you know, there's not a lot that you really need. It's just happens to be the test that nobody will run. So, um, and pregnenolone is actually a really good one. Cause I know I have guys in the UK taking pregnenolone because that is also like, it's, it's labeled as the mother hormone. It comes right after cholesterol and that can cascade into making testosterone. So if they'll do that test, then it's kind of cool to see. And some guys who can supplement it, supplement with it, uh, can help like anxiety and stuff like that. So, um, no, that's yeah. yeah. Perfect. Uh, now obviously you'll need to either hire someone, uh, who's able to tell you what are the normal ranges, what are the optimal ranges, uh, like yourself, Ollie, uh, or once I, get into the meat of it uh, probably me down the line but that's probably that's not something i would advise someone because i'm 
nowhere near uh, qualified to discuss these topics right now. That's uh, something that I'm uh, actively trying to learn something more about. But when it comes to, okay, we've done your blood tests or we're, like we've started your protocol, whether you've got your blood tests done or not, what are the first, like the big rocks now? You are massively advocate, a massive advocate for sleep. Uh, I'm insanely jealous of your aura ring scores because you put up scores of like in the 90s, 96, and I cannot get past like 83, 84 out of 100. Uh, so I know you're like, and like, I know there's a lot of research uh, out there about sleep and stuff. And like anecdotally yourself, what what things have you found make the big, made the biggest difference for you and for your clients in terms of optimizing your sleep? I'm like a major stimulant junkie. So like I, you know, I know you love coffee too. I love my coffee, my energy drinks. Like, so I used to take Adderall, which is an AD, ADD drug, which is like methamphetamine. It, it's, it's crack, right? <laughs> it, would, it would keep you awake pretty much all day. Right. But I would be like, oh my God, I can't sleep. But what do I do? So I would take Benadryl and I would take a lot of Benadryl and then fall asleep and then you wake up and you feel hungover and then pop another Adderall to feel good during the, and it was like this vicious cycle. I was like, how do I get out of this? So I eventually weaned myself off of it. Like when the pandemic hit, because I was like, okay, I don't have to get up at like four 30 to go to work. So, uh, I started with reading before bed, which was like this foreign concept, you know, cause I'm like, Oh, a book, like a real book, not a Kindle, not a screen something that you hold and turn the pages and have it be nothing to do with what you do for work. So of course I started reading like porn stars, like biographies, which is kind of what I have to do for work, but I was like justifying it, you know, and I was intrigued, whatever. So I started reading and that helped because I was like starting to fall asleep and I would take melatonin, which I think is great, you know, go on, on little melatonin rampages. Um, don't take it every single day of the year, but it will definitely help because we're so into screens and everything that our melatonin gets depleted by those stimulatory lights. So blue light glasses were a big part of that, which are the orange lenses that filter out the blue light that kind of keeps you awake. Because when we wake up, we're as humans supposed to wake up with the sun, which bright light, like cortisol, which is the stress hormone that wakes us up, gets released and we're awake. When at, at night, if we're staring at a TV screen or staring at our phone, our body thinks that that's the sun and it releases stress hormones, which don't release melatonin, which means that, oh, well, you're not going to sleep. You're going to stare at the ceiling and think about work the rest of the night. So getting in a routine that filters out those lights and gets you to calm down is huge. Some of my guys meditate where they used to think that was so cheesy and corny, but meditation can look like anything for anyone, whether you're you know, sitting in a sauna or you're just doing some deep breaths or whatever. And then that can help you calm down. So for me, it was melatonin and reading a book and then also not working on my computer past 7 p.m. Because for me, past 7, I'm done at like 8. And then I'm like, all right, I got to like chill. And then I wouldn't go to bed till like 11. And then get up early, get up at the same time every day. So I'd get up at 5, 5.30 so I could work then instead of doing work at night, which would allow for a better schedule. And it has its ups and downs, but I think that's why I can get these 90s and whatever, because I'm very consistent. So even on the weekends, 
sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I can sleep till like seven, eight o'clock. But then if I get up, then I'm like, oh my God, I missed half the day. What's going on? Like you start to get anxious because you're sleeping so late. So it, it's one of those things where it sucks to do. It's hard to put in the work. But when you start feeling better because you're actually sleeping better, then everything starts to fall into place. So that's probably like number one. And if people don't have a sleep tracking device like the Aura Ring, which is the best sleep tracker, get something. Because people will say, yeah, I, I went to bed at 10. I woke up at 6. Okay, you went to bed at 10. But you don't know when you actually fell asleep and the quality of that sleep. Yeah, and it was actually, it was, I would post my or scores probably only preferentially when they're where I want them to be, uh, if I'm honest. I, I, I think I had a 68 this morning, was not a good, wasn't a good score, but that, like I had seen you, you weren't the Aura Ring, uh, I have to say I have no affiliation uh, to Aura Ring, but it, there's something about just consistently watching your sleep and I seen it like what is it it's probably 200 and like 250 pounds uh for us something in around that range to buy and for a long time I really deliberated I was like I don't know I don't know if I can do this this was like what I guess like I just I was like this is a lot of money for like for what I perceive to be a Fitbit for yeah. like and that was really how, how I viewed it I went, oh, that's quite a lot of money uh I've had it probably nearly two years now and it's it's just such a consistent thing that I do. I wake up, I'll probably leave, I'll leave it half an hour, 45 minutes before I check it, just to, so I can naturally sort of, I kind of guess my score in the morning to see where I think I am and then see how accurate I am at actually guessing. Because uh, some days you wake up and you feel great and you've got a low score and you don't want to wake up and think, oh, I've got a low score, that's me, I'm knackered, I can't go to get anything done today. Uh, but from, it tracks your steps. It's, it's just data is really really useful uh, and i think it's they're starting to be more and more and more common here i know a lot of the i've seen a few of the local sort of football teams or gaelic football teams have started using them uh, and they're even at the moment when i was in dubai for the month of january uh, and got covid when i was in dubai uh, and was able to sort of detect it early because two nights my body temperature was like slightly up but I felt completely fine so when I got tested and the O-ring like when I got tested said said I had a wee quarantine for in Dubai it was essentially quarantine until you get a negative test so I quarantined I think for like five or six days but for like four like my readiness score when I had COVID was really low even though I kind of felt fine but my body temperature was up my sleep was up the left it was clear my body was fighting something but once six or seven days after it, it's like everything was back to normal, even beyond normal levels. I went, okay, well, let's go get a test. And normally at home, I was like isolated for 10 days. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to go get a test again, seven days after finding out. Went and got the test, you're, you're negative. It's like, okay, great. I got an extra sort of three days of like in, in the sun because uh, we were able to leave the apartment at, uh, at that point. But it is, it's something that people don't really... People don't really look at probably the, those that are nerdier uh, about our sleep over here, but they're starting to become a little bit more, more normalized. Uh, I did get quite a few people going like, you're gay, why are you wearing a ring? Like, <laughs> why, <laughs> like why, why are you a fella? Like, what are you wearing a ring for? Yeah. But as time goes on, I've noticed more and more people uh, locally. Uh, and I know that uh, in the NBA bubble last year, they were using them as an early detection uh, tool for COVID. Is that right? 
Yeah, Charlie uh, was the the catalyst for that deal because, again, like you mentioned, with the temperature spikes, on the back end, he would get an email when somebody's um, health risk management score would go up in like the 90s. I think if if you're 100%, you have COVID, but um, and they would be able to early detect with a lot of the athletes and stuff. So that that's one thing. It's like, you know, when people get the vaccine, it's the same thing. Like their readiness plummets, their temperature spikes, when people drink alcohol, um, you know, when you're just in a different environment. Like when I went, like my coach forced me to go vacation in February. He was like, just go snowboarding for a week. I'm like, fine, whatever. So I go snowboarding. <laughs> For three nights, my heart rate was 84 overnight. And I, I was like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I'm eating as much as I can to fuel, tr- like, I'm, I'm having a blast. And he was like, sometimes, you know, when, when you're, when I was so busy with work, he was like, sometimes when you're so in work and then you make yourself take a break, your body is just like, I don't know what to do. So all that stress for nothingness, like just, all of a sudden, and I was like, okay, but like that, it was cool to see on data. Cause then as soon as I got home, everything came back to normal. I'm like, I'm never going on vacation again. If it's going to cause it, usually it doesn't usually people, you know, recover a lot. Well, but having a way to track stuff, at least then you can kind of start to make decisions on training and approaches, you know? And like you said, like when people wake up and they have a bad score, I don't want people to be like, Oh, I shouldn't train today. Like it's more like you want someone's score to start lowering over the course of a week if they're on a program that forces them to adapt. And then when everything else goes to shit, then you can make adjustments and maybe pull back and stuff like that and use that as as a catalyst to make the appropriate changes and not just knee-jerk reaction changes. Yeah, and this this actually leads me in. Now we've, we've, we've covered sleep and this kind of leads me into my next question. For you yourself, have you what daily non-negotiables do you have in terms of looking after your body, looking after your health in general, looking after your stress, or and maybe extend that to what negotiables might you in, like instill for a client? Um. So personally, like uh, I am awful with. Well, I don't want to say awful, but I I am very strict with my priorities for training. So training comes before work. Like I'll mold my work schedule around my training. Cause if I can't get that in and I, I lift four days a week, so it's not every day, but I, I have to make sure I can have enough time for that. Next is my steps. I love to go for walks now that I live among palm trees. It's great. So if I get less than 10,000 steps, I get annoyed more so because it's like a metric, but I'd like to get around 15 to 17 a day and then get to bed at a certain time. I don't like to go out to dinner past like 5.30 p.m. if I can avoid it. Um, And I'm very like regimented with that. Now, granted, there's times where you have to kind of, you know, break the rules and stuff, but um, I don't drink alcohol because it just doesn't make me feel good. And I know that's like sacrilegious to you guys, but you know, I am like impressed when, when we're at the seminars that you guys would pound like 10 beers and I'm like, you realize we start at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And you guys are like, yeah, no problem. And you, no problem the next day. You all train in the morning. Like, uh, crazy. Like, anyway, so those are my non-negotiables. With clients, it's like, if I can get them to nail those basics too, maybe not as anally as me, but if they can get the steps in and they're not, that's one thing to shoot for. 
obviously the sleep is like, that goes without saying, but other things is like, let's get the steps in and let's prioritize protein. That's it. Because usually that's hard enough for most people. So they're not nailing that. They have absolutely no right to talk about other things that they might want to try. Yeah, no, those are, those are fantastic and very simple. I think nobody could go away and say that any of those things would be unreasonable. Maybe not that they don't go for dinner after five o'clock and there'd probably be people listening that would be uh, enraged to try and avoid alcohol uh, consistently. But yeah, no, listen, that, that, that's fantastic. I'll, I'm, I'm so conscious of your time. We've run a little bit over, so I just want to finish off with, with, something, with something a wee bit different and then change gears a little bit. Now, you've you've grown quite a quite a like a remarkable personal brand uh in the fitness sphere uh both in america uh and globally uh, across europe with the ifba and it is one of those things that i think hard work and success leaves clues so what things have you found to be really really valuable guiding principles for you as far as growth and success is concerned uh, that's the case in better every day podcast we're we're trying to steal tidbits from very successful people uh to for people to instill so what for you i suppose your own your own approaches to to try and be better what could you could you summarize them um i think like a big part of it you know is networking now granted in-person networking is a little limited right now but it'll get back to that people are very hesitant to go to seminars you know, as you saw, like the, the nights that we would be at the bar in the daylight at 11 p.m. over there, um, you know, talking, those are, that's really what people walk away with remembering. They, they'll remember the content and they'll remember what they learn, but it's the relationships in the fields that you form. So I started that because I'm very social naturally, but at an early age, I, I literally like this is back in the day now. So I would have to call people where they worked or the school they worked at and ask if they can um, send me their PowerPoint so I can look at the slides. Like there wasn't, uh, you know, the jump start things that you, the jump drives you get at seminars and stuff like that. So cold calling people and kind of, you know, offering anything that you can for free, speaking for free, all those things to where now you've offered so much value to people that they can't help but want to buy from you or get to know you. And I think that will take people a lot of far, very far because you can't just start in this industry or any industry and then expect to make X amount of dollars and then you're not providing any value. So I, I try to provide as much free as I can. I think I can provide a lot more content. Um, I just have it in a couple of weeks, but you know, a lot of that. And then to not be afraid to charge what you're worth, because that's a very, very touchy subject for not only fitness professionals, but a lot of people were asking for money is very scary. And especially when you're training people that have a lot of wealth and power, you know, to be like, um, hi, pay me like, you know, the, it can be very scary. So I think establishing yourself as an authority is really learning everything that you can about a certain subject providing that type of value to the people and then being very, very, you know, put your foot down with what you're worth. So I've not discounted myself in the last, I think, 12 years. And I refuse to ever discount myself. And I used to, and there are times where people are like, Oh, you know, I can't afford that. And I'm like, well, I'll do it for this. 
you know, because I'd be so afraid to lose them as a sale. And now people who say, you know, you're a little bit out of my budget. I'm like, that's no problem. I'll try to provide, you know, like these do-it-yourself programs at a price point somebody can afford. But I, I very much guard my time and I don't want to resent somebody because of my fault of saying I will charge less. And now I'm less likely to be motivated to provide the service because I'm not charging what I feel I should. And that's a real thing because people will discount themselves and then they'll resent the client because they are the ones that made the decision to charge less. And so for coaches, like, I'm like, don't discount yourself. You're, you're just as much a professional professional as a lawyer or a doctor or anybody else providing a service. If anything, we have to be kind of like this amalgamation of like therapist and health coach and all that stuff. So we are playing very much a pivotal role in people's lives nowadays. And then just to continue with what you love. And the minute that it's not fun anymore and you hate it, it's okay to dump it and to go to something else. Fantastic. Uh, and for the listener who haven't uh, got to know Ali over a long period of time, I can tell that she is not just what she says, that she embodies uh, those things consistently. And, and, I've, and I've seen it uh, firsthand that she has such a passion for all of the topics that, that she talks about uh, and for coaching uh, in general. And yet yeah, you're, 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 you're a good networker. And uh, we were sitting in Birmingham drinking uh, to whatever time. I know you got, you got home a little bit earlier, I think. Uh, Don John, I think it was Don John's Irish blood, but he was out to the better end <laughs> in the AFL. I think you got to bed well before him. But I think when we went, I got to bed. The rest of the guys were still drinking to the early night uh, and then the next morning there was a my zone workout and I came down like off just caught the end of it barely cracking my eyes open at like 25 26 years of age Don John sitting uh, somewhere in the 60s nobody really knows like just after a my zone workout having only maybe caught a couple of hours sleep I would like to see his aura ring uh, <laughs> uh, so listen Ali thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast I really really appreciate it uh, and I th- like what I, I suppose what I hope is that the listener can take any aspect of what you spoke about and implement it to see some small change uh, in their day-to-day life. If one person takes one small thing from it, uh, then the, the value is delivered. But uh, I just want to take a chance to say thank you very much for, for helping uh, me over the last few years and for providing value on, in, in numerous ways, but probably uh, primarily this, this particular uh, podcast. So, if, is there where's the best place for the for the listener to find out more about you and to hear more things about boners and testosterone? Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram at at the Ali Gilbert. Um, it should stay like that for a little while, and then my website is Ali Weingroff, W E I N G R O F F dot com. But everything is on my Instagram uh, profile link in the bio. So you guys can find me there. Slide in DMs. Talk to me about your boners, whatever you, whatever you want. <laughs> and, and please, people, uh, no dick pics. So yeah. thank you very much, guys. <laughs> thank you very much, Ali. Uh, and thanks to the listener for joining us. So that's episode five wrapped up of the Kaizen Better Every Day podcast. Join us for our next episode.